We serve a great and mighty God, amen. There's nobody like him. You look at other religions and you see their gods have died and gone on and they're still in their grave. <laughs> but our God, you look at other places, other religions, and they worship statues, gods that are far above any human issues, human understanding. But we serve a God that loved us enough that he would robe himself in flesh and come and die for us. And I'm thankful for that today, aren't you? Thank you for loving me so much, God. When I was undeserving, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated while I read my scripture. I got a lot of scripture to read, so... If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 18, going to be reading in verses 21 through 35, familiar passage of scripture. Verse 21 says, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times. He didn't say, don't forgive him just seven times. But until 70 times seven. Therefore, Jesus, this is Jesus going into a parable. He said, therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had Begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant! I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Verse 22 says, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. 
And I'm going to talk about, I changed the title of this lesson. It was 70 times 7, but I'm going to talk about for a little bit today on this topic, compassion. Amen. Why don't we ask the Lord to speak to our hearts and our minds today. Lord, anoint my lips of clay. Lord, speak to my heart and my mind and my spirit today. Lord, help me to teach what you've given me to the best of my ability and beyond that with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Lord, help our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to talk about today forgiving others. A topic that is not easily discussed because all of us could raise our hands and say that some point in our life we've been wronged by somebody else. But, as the scripture read to us, that I read to us earlier says, we need to forgive others. New York City at Christmas time is breathtaking. Ryan and Ashley flew there from Florida to spend three days in Manhattan. It was beautiful and busy, and so uh, one of their friends was driving them around town, and they found, they went on a little shopping trip to Chinatown. You ever seen Chinatown? Ryan wanted a baseball cap, but he didn't want to have to pay the full price for it. So we know Chinatown is famous for going there to be able to bargain to get a better price. But Ryan wasn't exactly the uh, bargaining type of guy. So his friend coached him on how to get the, price, the, the best price. He said, they'll sell for high, but you offer them low. They'll say no, so you walk out. Anybody ever put that into practice before? <laughs> we know what happens most of the time. They'll say, wait, wait, wait. How about this price? I'll meet you in the middle. We know that's how the game oftentimes is played. So Ryan decided to give it a shot. He walked into the shop and he saw the baseball cap on the shelf and he asked, how much for the Braves hat? The shop owner said, 20 bucks. He said, will you take 15? And the shop owner again said, 20 bucks. And Ryan said, sold. Maybe next time he would play the game right. <laughs> Everyone, I'm guilty of this, we want to pay as little as possible for as much as possible. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> Give a little to get a lot. That's what we want to do. <laughs> the Apostle Peter was no better at the game than Ryan was. Peter walked into the door. And he saw Jesus standing behind the counter, and mercy was sitting on every shelf and on the counter and on the racks and in the windows. Mercy was everywhere in this shop. But Peter knew Jesus. He knew how much Jesus valued mercy. So rather than insult Jesus by asking to pay less for it, he offered Jesus above the asking price. See, because the rabbis down the street were selling mercy for, we can say, three bucks a day. They taught that if a brother sins against you, God calls you to forgive him three times. 
After that, you're off the hook. But Peter knew that Jesus was more merciful than most people. In fact, he knew that he was more merciful than everybody. So Peter opened out his wallet, and he pulled out $3 bills, and then three more dollar bills, and then one more for good measure. And he offered Jesus well above the asking price. He said, Jesus, if my brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven times? You want me to be merciful, Jesus? I can do that. I'm doing more than double what the rabbis are requiring me to do. Seven times seem mightily merciful, merciful to Peter, especially since the going rate was three times. And Jesus took a glance at mercy all throughout the shop and replied, Not seven, Peter, but 70 times seven. And then Jesus told this story, the parable that we read. Beginning in Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, it says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. So this king, he decided to review the accounting books to see who owed him money and how much they owed him. Then it was up to his collections department to demand payment for all the debts that were owed to him. That audit that he did revealed that he had a debtor that owed him 10,000 talents. The amount, uh, uh, a talent was a measurement of weight in silver and gold. And we do not know exactly how, ma- how much 10,000 talents might have been worth in today's economy, but it is estimated that it would be in the millions of dollars that this servant owed this king. The amount the debtor owed was so great that he would never be able to pay back the debt that he owed. Jesus and his audience knew what that meant for the man and his family. Matthew chapter 18 verse 25 says, But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. Since the servant couldn't pay, the king sentenced him and his family to slavery and demanded that all their possessions be sold and their proceeds given to the king. And unfortunately, even that did not come close to paying the full debt that this servant owed to the king. Slaves at top price back in that time, according to history, were sometimes, this is top price, were sold for only a talent each. But usually they were sold for a tenth of a talent. And this man owed 10,000 talents. In one last plea for mercy, the indebted servant fell to his knees and begged for more time. That makes no sense to us. All the time in his lifetime would not be enough to pay back the debt that he owed to the king. But suddenly, Jesus' story took a surprising turn for those that were listening to it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 27 says, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him of his debt. Just like that, the debt of this man was gone. The king did not mock him. 
but he forgave him. The king felt compassion for this man, and he didn't just lower the debt a couple thousand talents, which would be what most of us would seem like. That's pretty reasonable. We'll just we'll cut it in half. But the king decided to completely forgive and remove the debt that this servant owed. We can imagine what overwhelming joy the servant felt. Imagine yourself in that situation. Millions and millions of dollars, an amount that you would never make back in one lifetime. Your family was going to be sold. All your possessions taken to be sold just to pay back the debt you owed. And all of it washed away at once. The crushing debt was gone. Him and his family were safe and his property was secure. They were saved. Thank you, my king. I can never receive a greater gift than what you gave me. What joy and what rejoicing I imagine that this servant did. Amen. I want us today, uh, the reason why I changed this title of this lesson is because I want us to focus on a certain word that's used in this passage of scripture, and that word is compassion. All of us have heard the word compassion before. We hear this word used a lot, or when we read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels, we see this word compassion used often, but oftentimes we don't understand the true meaning of compassion. When we think compassion... We mostly just think like a really strong love. But compassion is so much more than that. Compassion means to be merciful. It does mean to love. But it goes much further beyond that because compassion means to act or to take action in order to alleviate or reduce the suffering or the pain of somebody else. We see in this passage of scripture that the king in this parable that Jesus was talking about was moved with compassion. And because of that compassion, he showed mercy and forgave the servant of his unpayable debt. And if you know anything about the Bible, oftentimes there's types and shadows that relate to future events. So we know that this is a type and shadow of us and the love that Jesus has for me and you. Amen. Oftentimes when Jesus performed a miracle, the Bible states that he was first moved with compassion for the needs or the group, the needs of the group of people that he was talking to, and then he would proceed to help their need. Compassion came first, amen? But much more than uh, God having compassion on us in order to heal our bodies or to give us a financial blessing or to deliver us from a situation. God saw man, when God saw man in its pit of sin, he could have chosen to see the debt that humankind owed to him since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Thousands of years of sin and 
repeating the cycle of drawing close to God and then falling away from God and and hearing his commandments and keeping them and then falling away from them. He could have seen the years of false idol worship and all of the evil kings that uh, ruled the the children of Israel throughout time, all the, the different mistakes that the people made. When God looked throughout history, he could have saw me and you sitting in our pit of sin. And he did see us sitting in our pit of sin. Amen. But, uh, uh, and, and he could have chosen to have mankind pay off the debt that was owed to him. He could have chosen us to pay the debt that we owe to him because of our sin nature that we're born with. Amen. But instead of that, he chose to robe himself in flesh and come to this earth to die and pay the price for a world that had already rejected him multiple times before. Amen. He loved us that much. He loves you that much. Amen. I skipped uh, to this week's lesson. Uh, Brother Brother Anthony did part one and part two. I skipped the lesson before this, but it was about condemnation. Amen. Anybody ever hear about condemnation before? Amen. Can I tell you that condemnation has no place in the life of someone that has been born again? Amen. Come on, somebody. Condemnation has no place in your life once you've been bought. By the king, amen? When God looked down through history, it wasn't a surprise that he that I would be a sinful man. It didn't catch God by surprise that the world is the way that it is. He saw that the world would be full of sin. He saw that me and you would be full of sin. He saw that I would fail. I would make mistakes. I would fall short. Yet he still chose to love me so much that he would die for me. Amen? That's our example of compassion is Jesus Christ paying the debt taking action to relieve the suffering that we experience in this life. Amen? He did not have to pay our debt. Like I said when I started, other religions' gods did not pay their debt. They have to do certain things. They have to live a certain way. They have to pray this many times a day. And if they don't, they're going to hell. We try our best to do those things. We try our best to live for God. But if we fall short, we don't have a God that judges us and gives us a spanking and says how bad we are. But we serve a God that picks us back up again, amen, that loves us regardless of our faults and our failures. That's the love that God has for me and for you. And much like the servant in this parable, when the price was paid for us on Calvary, we were no longer servants. 
We were no longer servants to sin or servants to God, but we became his children. When he died for us, when I was baptized in Jesus' name, I was adopted into the family of God. I'm no longer a servant. I'm a son. I'm an heir of salvation, amen. We're no longer servants to sin or to God, but we became his children. We became his heirs. We became partakers of his love, amen. Galatians chapter 4 verse 7 says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. Because of this sonship that God gave us that we're undeserving of, we don't have to face condemnation. We don't have to face sin alone. Amen. When we make a mistake, Jesus is not some cruel ruler that is waiting there to punish us and throw us in a dungeon and put us in chains and bondage until we pay back our debt. But when we fall, he's there to pick us up. Amen. Because from the very beginning of time, God knew that we would fall short. It's no surprise to God. It's no secret to God. He is a loving father that picks us back up, that sets us free, that teaches us, that guides us. This will change our idea of relationship and Christianity. From do this, do that, and if I mess up, oh no, I'm going to hell. To Oh, if I mess up, God still loves me anyways. God's still there for me anyways, amen? Romans chapter 8 verse 1 through 4 says, therefore, There is therefore now... No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died for us, he gave us new life. Amen. And this scripture says, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. For what the law could not do. The Old Testament law where they would sacrifice once a year to make atonement. There was no relationship. It was all tradition. For what the law could not do and what it was in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I am rejoicing today. Not as a servant, but as a son that has been set free from sin. Amen. Set free from condemnation. Set free from guilt. Amen. I'll tell you this. I am not afraid of God when I make a mistake. I do not live in fear for living for, uh, living for God that he's going to immediately send me to hell every time I mess up. Because when I fall short, amen, God already knows that my acts, my righteousness is as filthy rags. I can never do enough to pay back the debt that I owe. He already knows that. 
But he still chooses to pick us back up, to love us, to give us mercy, to give us grace. Because of his compassion for me, I'm an overcomer of sin, amen? The scripture that I read said it. I'm set free from sin, amen? I'm not defined by my mistakes. I'm not defined as a sinner because when God looks at me after I repent, he doesn't see the sin, but he sees the blood that he bought me with, amen? I'm set free from the bondage of sin because of the compassion of a God who would come and die for me. When I fall short, when you fall short, and we will, every one of us is a sinner. The Bible says if any man says he's not a sinner, then he makes God a liar. When we fall short, and we will, I fall short every day. All I have to do is run back to a loving father that forgives me. He picks me up. The, the story of the prodigal is more than just about backslide, what we define as backsliders coming back into the church. But it applies to us every day of our life because we're all sinners. When I make a mistake, all I have to do is pick myself up out of the pig pit and run back to a father that'll pick me up, that'll embrace it. Notice, the product, we love this story. I love this story. The father didn't look at the, the filth and the mud and the sin of the, of the son and say, go wash off first, go... Go make yourself right first. He, he embraced him with a loving hug. Gave him a robe. Gave him a ring. Put shoes on his feet. So, say, kill the best calf. We're having a feast. I have, we have a loving father that forgives us, that picks us up, and gives us the ability. You know, it's okay to fail and try again. It's okay to keep trying. This is a snapshot of the mercy of God when he forgives all of our sins. This is a snapshot, a, a, a picture of the compassion that Jesus has for us. Our sins are like a debt that we owe to God. And our debt of sin is so huge, we can never repay it. Because we can't pay, we face great punishment. But God, in his great compassion, forgives us when we come to him and acknowledge that we have no means to pay the debt. Compassion. God had compassion for us when we were undeserving. And I'm touching a little bit on what I'm going to talk later. But we must likewise have compassion towards others that do us wrong. This is the part of the lesson that I told Brother Austin this morning it's going to be hard to teach. This is a hard thing for human nature. But I don't believe that, and I'm putting myself in this statement, I don't believe I can make it to heaven carrying a grudge with me. 
no matter how bad somebody did me wrong. There's an old saying, and it goes like this. Bitterness is like taking poison and hoping it kills the other person. God forgives us the debt that we can never pay. Many of us, whether we know it or not, we think of ourselves as pretty good. And we may be from our limited human perspective. We may be pretty good. We're not murderers, hopefully. If you are, don't come kill me. We're not thieves. We may tell a little white lie every now and then. But other than that, we're not bad as most people are. Or, people like to say this, we're not as bad as the person that has done us wrong. If I'm holding on to grudges, this is what, this is not in the lesson, but this is what the Lord told me to write down last night. If I'm holding on to grudges and there's unforgiveness in my heart, If I take actions against someone because I feel I was wronged by them. I'm putting myself in this statement because we all need to be careful of this. But if I find myself in that position where I'm I'm taking action against somebody because they did something to me. They hurt my feelings. I need to be careful because... I'm not right with God. Oftentimes, people in the church, we think we're better than most people in our world. We might not be great saints. I'm not the greatest saint, but I'm not a great sinner. (laughs) We tend to minimize our own sin by thinking it's not that bad. However, we have no accurate sense of the number of times we have failed to follow God's word. No matter how we feel about our sins, God is pure and sinless. He is holy. We are like poor servants owing a debt of 10,000 talents, an unpayable debt. Our only hope is for our gracious king to have compassion on us and announce, I forgive your debt. You owe me nothing. The penalty for our unpaid sins is eternal death and separation from God and hell. And all we can do is bow to our our knees to our king and ask for mercy. And when we do, we are sure to find a king that is gracious and good and ready to forgive. And that is the example for us. Jesus was sinless and didn't deserve to die. We hear about the death, Jesus dying for us so much, we just think it was something he had to do. He didn't have to. He's an all-powerful God. He could have destroyed the earth and created another one. He could have blown the universe up and created ten more. But he willingly died in our place. His death is a substitute for ours. 
The cross is all about Jesus paying the debt we could never pay. This story, this parable takes a surprising but unpleasant turn. Our friend, who was just forgiven of all of his debt, Matthew 18 and 28 says, He went out and found one of his fellow servants. I'll give you an example. Brother Chris just forgave me of all the money that I owed him. Man, I owed him, I owed him like a million bucks. And he said, ah, don't worry about it. Paul owes me ten bucks. And I come find Paul after church in the hallway. Nah, he's, he's big, so I don't know if I can do this. But I push him up against the wall. <laughs> Says he laid hands on him. I'm going to lay my hands on Paul, and I'm not praying for him. And I take him by the throat, saying, Paul, you better give me that ten bucks. He ran out of the throne room, and he sought out a man who owed him a debt. And he grabbed his debtor by the throat and choked him, demanding he paid back everything that he owed. This second debtor in Jesus' parable only owed his friend 100 pence, which history says would take only about three months to pay back. The debt was payable compared to his debt that he owed the king. It was pennies compared to the millions. Ten bucks is nothing compared to the ten million that I owed Brother Chris. So the second servant, Paul, He responds like the first servant does. Falls to his knees. Matthew chapter 18 verse 29 it says, And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Please just give me till next week. I'll give you that ten bucks. Here's the unpleasant turn. No matter how merciful the king had been to the first servant, the first servant's heart was unmoved by his fellow servant's plea for mercy. He threw his debtor into prison until he could pay the debt. He, this debtor, he would remain in prison until family or friends could gather the amount of money he owed or until he, would, uh, he could work off all of the debt. And this kind of shocking behavior could not be hidden. So some of the other king's servants, Brother Gene, Brother Austin, they saw me do that to Brother Paul. So they run back to Brother Chris, and they say, Brother Chris, guess what I just saw Brother Kyler do? You know, I know you forgave him of that $10 million. You said he was free to go. But as soon as he got away from you, I saw him run up to that Brother Paul in the the hallway. and I mean, he even grabbed him by the throat. Why would he do such a thing? And said, give me that $10 you owe me right now. They couldn't believe the hypocrisy or the lack of gratitude. The king, when the king learned what the first servant had done, Brother Chris heard what I had done, he was shocked. And then he was furious. I don't know what kind of angry face you make. Matthew uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 32 through 34 says, Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. Brother Chris says, O Kyler, you're so evil. 
I forgave you of all that debt because you asked me to. Should you not also have had compassion on Brother Paul? Like I had compassion on you? And his Lord was wroth. Brother Chris was angry and delivered him to the tormentors. I don't know what the tormentors look like, but it doesn't sound very good. I imagine these uh, things flying around in black robes that... The Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors until he could pay all that was due to him. The king, Brother Chris, summoned me back to his throne room and called me evil. And the forgiven servant failed to show the same kind of mercy to others that he had just received. The king said, you should have treated him like I treated you. You should have had mercy, but because you refused to be merciful you will no longer receive my mercy. Again, I say it. The Lord told me. I, I say it. We have to be careful of the actions we're taking in the name of giving somebody what they deserve. Getting somebody payback because they hurt my feelings or they did me wrong. They owe me a debt. We don't see it this way, but this is how God sees it. We don't see it as God's forgiven me, so I have to forgive others. We see it as human to human debt. But that's not how God sees it. God sees it as I forgave you. I gave compassion to you. You owed me. You did wrong to me. You owed me an unpayable debt So you must show the same to others. And oftentimes, I've heard it said, we've all heard it said, well, what they've done to me far outweighs anything I've done to them or done to anybody else. But let me remind you, again, this is how God sees it. All have sinned. All have fallen short. It's biblical for our love towards God to be shown by our love towards our brothers and sisters. We show that we are his disciples by his by our love towards one another. We know that scripture. John Uh, Chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love for one another. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, we all know this. Jesus uh, said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. But he didn't stop there. He said, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two things hang all the law and all of the prophets. Amen. Jesus himself said that everything else in the Bible hangs on the fact that we are to love God and to love others like God loves us. 
So I don't know who I'm talking today, but again, I say we must be careful withholding compassion from others. We must be careful giving people what they deserve. Grudges are not godly. In case we miss the point of this powerful story, Jesus made it very plain in Matthew chapter 8, verse 35. The whole story boils down to this. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. It all comes down to that. If I don't forgive Paul, Chris won't forgive me. If I don't forgive my brother, my sister, let go. There's things in our hearts that we're talking about more than just compassion, but this goes into to healing. There's secret things in our hearts that sometimes we bury down that we take action on that we don't really know that we're doing it because we've allowed the pain to hurt us. But we can't truly heal unless we forgive first. A forgiving God requires us to forgive others. I must forgive. You must forgive. Why? Because our debt owed to God is infinitely greater than any debt anybody could owe us. If God was willing to forgive us of our unpayable debt, we must be willing to forgive others of their much smaller debts. Again, I say, be careful taking action be careful with grudges be careful you know what one thing God hates those who sow discord among the brethren God hates when somebody would cause another brother to hate another brother because of something they've done it's biblical like I said before it's biblical We can't say we love God if we don't love others. The two are not inseparable. That's why Jesus put them in the same uh, portion of Scripture together. He said the first and the second go together, and everything else depends on these two laws. You have to have love for me and love for another. I can't have love with God if I don't love my brother. And if we refuse to forgive... I'm not saying struggle, because it is a struggle to forgive. We are human. But if we refuse to forgive, Jesus, there's no question about it. Jesus explicitly taught that God will not forgive us. Sin's not the only thing that can send you to hell. In Jesus' sermon in Matthew chapter 6, he taught us to pray. We know this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 uh, 12 through 15. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus is calling us to forgive 
else we not be forgiven. He's calling us to always be willing to forgive. Remember that Jesus was answering Peter's question about how often we are to forgive others by saying in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. This teaching's not easy for a teacher to teach. Because depending on the sin that was committed against us, it can be revolting or offensive for us to think we need to forgive somebody else. We might have difficulty with Jesus' teaching on forgiveness in this story because we don't believe our sins against God could be such a huge unpayable debt. Or as far as we know, we haven't really hurt someone else or been too wicked towards someone So we can't believe that our sins against God are quite as bad as somebody else's sins against us. But in this story, Jesus was showing us how he views the situation. Our being born in sin and the cumulative sins we have committed against him by breaking his law are greater than someone's sins against us. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt to be hurt by others. I taught a lesson a couple weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago, I don't remember, about it was called a God of justice. Justice is up to God. Those two, these two lessons can go together. Forgive others and allow God to have his justice. There are benefits. If God forgave us, we must forgive others. Otherwise, we disqualify ourselves from being forgiven by God. Certainly, benefits come to us when we forgive others. Studies have revealed that some of the benefits of forgiveness are improved mental health, less anxiety and stress, lower blood pressure, fewer issues with depression, and so forth. It's good to know and experience these benefits, but these potential benefits are not why Jesus commanded us to forgive. He commanded us to forgive because God has forgiven us. That, we often talk about the right reason for doing something in life. That is the right reason to forgive. Because God forgave us. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Depending on the situation, it may be extremely hard to follow this kind of teaching because forgiving someone does not mean that what the person did was okay. Yet the Lord is calling us to forgive to release debt and put the person in God's hands. You may not be able to imagine how you could forgive a certain person. But if you commit to forgive, God will help you through his spirit to forgive. He will strengthen you in the journey of forgiveness until it is finished. Forgiving is not pretending the wrong did not happen. 
Neither is forgiving allowing someone to continue willfully and maliciously harming us. Forgiveness is an act of the will. Forgiveness isn't a feeling. Just like repentance isn't a feeling. Repentance is an action, turning away from our sin. Forgiveness is an act of the will. It happens when we consciously decide to cancel someone's debt, which means we will not hold the wrong over the person actively seeking to punish or turn others against them. When we forgive, we decide we will not retaliate and we will not repay someone for what they have done to us. That's not how God works. In doing this, we make space for God to avenge us. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You know what forgiveness does? Forgiveness gives God permission to fight the battle for us. Let's not think of forgiveness as a feeling, especially at first, because most of the times you won't feel nothing. If you think of it when you repent, oftentimes the only feeling when you repent is feeling bad. You don't really feel forgiven that much until <laughs> you finally decide. It's deeper than ceasing to feel angry. Forgiving someone is not just stopping feeling angry or feeling hurt or feeling resentful. It will likely be a long time before we can feel that way. Think of forgiveness as a commitment not to act or to act. Over time, God will change our feelings and they will soften and not sting quite as much. It may take a long time. And like I said, this is the only, there's hurts in our lives that we may not even know about. And this is the only way that we can heal from them, is to forgive them. It may take a long time, but God can work on our hearts as we seek to obey what he told us. God will heal our hearts, and we will be able to think of the person who hurt us without feeling hatred, without feeling anger. Or without feeling bitterness. The sting will be gone. Choosing to forgive only takes a moment. But the process takes time. And we can know when the process is complete. We have fully forgiven someone when we no longer tell our story as the victim trying to get people to sympathize with us and turn against the person who hurt us. Now, again, I'm not saying what they did to us was not wrong. And it did not hurt. Further, we know we have forgiven when we no longer get pleasure or satisfaction when hearing something negative has happened to that person. Forgiveness is not an option. If you've been hurt, forgive. Don't wait until the person comes to you seeking to make everything right. You know, a lot of times... The person don't even know they hurt us. There are people that intentionally hurt us, but we always view things as what somebody did against us and not what I did against them. One-sided point of view. They may not even know they hurt you. Forgive, don't wait until they come to seek you to make everything right, because that may never happen. But our God has commanded us to freely forgive. Forgive without limits. 
The one who forgave our unpayable debt calls us to forgive the debts others owe us. And he stands ready to empower us and bless us as we seek to obey him by forgiving others. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand right now? God wants to heal some hurts. God wants to heal some pains. But he can only do that if we let him. And that's what forgiveness is. Moving out of the way for God to work on our behalf. Again, I say it. I can't make it to heaven carrying a grudge on my shoulders. And if I want forgiveness, the way God sees it is my sin against him is unpayable, yet he still forgave me. So somebody else's wrong against me should be forgivable too. No matter how much it hurts. It won't always feel good to forgive. But eventually the hurt and pain will go away because God chooses to heal us. I'm thankful for the compassion of God for me. And I want to show that compassion towards other people. Amen. Amen. Why don't we ask the Lord to, to seal this word in our hearts and our minds. Not just to leave it in this place and forget about it. Because there's always going to be hurt in life. We're always going to fall short of God, and others will fall short of our expectations of them. But God chooses to forgive us anyways, so we should forgive others. Amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise today?